It's a bright new world for many young physicians. There's new EMR, there is Obamacare, all sorts of changes in healthcare. But what sort of world are they facing? Hi, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. My guest today is Dr. Kuram Guman. Dr. Guman is a young physician. He's been out of residency for several years. He already has his MPH. He is a certified physician executive, and he is medical director of the Hartford Healthcare Medical Group in Enfield, Connecticut. And Dr. Guman, first of all, thanks for joining me on the program. Thank you so much. Why did you decide to become a doctor and a family physician in particular? What was it that attracted you to the field? Several things. Uh, the main important thing that attracts me the most, being a physician, and especially as a family physician, is the interaction that you have with your patients. Not only that one patient, but the whole family. And that interaction gives you better picture about how to take care of not that just one problem, but the whole health of that family, that patient. So the whole uh, holistic nature, the way we practice medicine in primary care is what attracted me the most to be in uh, primary care. What has, I guess, led up to your expectation and fulfilled it? And what have you looked at and said, oh my gosh, I never considered this aspect? I think we are in a very interesting time in healthcare. Um, healthcare industry as a whole is changing fast, and there is a certain amount of uncertainty, which is uh, what concerns me at times. I enjoy the way technology is integrating today's healthcare and where we are headed. At the same time, it sometimes the uncertainty involved with the kind of care that we'll, we'll be delivering in five, ten years from today sometimes makes me wonder how and if we will be prepared to provide that whole integrated health in the coming future. My generation and even the people who are you know younger than myself, 10, 20 years, who are more tech savvy, who are more inclined to smartphones, gadgets, their perceptions of healthcare delivery and their expectations from the system are way different than when I was in medical school. We at our organization have taken several steps towards that goal of, you know, technologically advanced and integrated healthcare system. So I'm hoping that in you know come in future there will be much more quality care, patient-centered quality care in a very integrated healthcare system. But at the same time, you know, we have to have certain electronic EMR systems in place so we, can, we are able to integrate the whole care. You know, one of the terms that's being thrown about, and, and it certainly it's a great term, but I'm always wondering if it's truly being used in its true form as quality. Uh, we hear the term about quality in healthcare, and there's quality metrics. And some of the quality metrics seem really important. And, you know, something, let's say, like having a catheter in for too many days and somebody, that is not good because it can lead to an increased risk of infection. And we perhaps should have always been more attentive about that. But then there's other things about, uh, you know, patients coming in for observation status and leaving and staying so many days and how many more days should they be in or not that seem financially driven. How does that impact you? Have you seen where dollars and cents are involved in decisions? I think it's important, and I think it's a uh, responsibility on physicians to a degree because the, the decisions they make in that visit, during that visit with their patient, 
adds up to the healthcare cost in the long run. We have to be cautious, and we as physicians have to practice evidence-based medicine. We, you know, in the recent months, we have certain campaigns choosing wisely and not ordering certain tests which are not um, evidence-based, and the cost relate cost that it incurs to the system is controllable to a degree. With having these EMR, it actually helps physicians to monitor and meet those quality standards. And let me give you an example from a primary care perspective. When in, in, in our office, when we got electronic health records, we were able to look at our performance. We looked at our data for pneumonia vaccines for patients who are 65 and older, and to my surprise, we weren't doing too great of a job. So we went back, we looked at our process, we looked at our workflow, and we reconfigured the process how we brought the patients in. Uh, our medical assistants would ask them if they have had the vaccines. If they didn't, she will leave an electronic task to the physicians so they could discuss with the patient during that visit. And it not only enabled the physician to address the quality metric which was important for patient care, and also it was a tool to show the quality metrics to the insurance companies and the peers. Just by reconfiguring, restructuring our workflow, we were able to increase our vaccination delivery rates from less than 20% to more than 60%. That's a dramatic impact, too. Absolutely, and we were able to deliver that quality just by having smarter tools, a better EMR, and the ability to work and reconfigure our workflow. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, your host, and I'm speaking with Dr. Gorham Guman. He is medical director of the Hartford Healthcare Medical Group in Enfield, Connecticut, and he's really on the front lines of primary care and family medicine. And we're speaking to him because he represents the typical family physician, primary care doctor who's out there trying day after day to make a difference in people's lives. And when you think about making a difference in people's lives, one of the things about primary care is you often have to take your rewards day by day, month by month. You don't always get the big hits of maybe a dramatic surgery or whatever. How do you deal with that? I mean, what's what, what's the thing that excites you about the daily interaction with patients? Uh, and again, I'll ask you on the flip side, what frustrates you? One big concern that I have, and it's not only just because in my community, it's, I think it's a national concern that we all have and share with each other, is with changing practice models, private practice slowly fading, practices joining bigger groups, there have been changes in work hours and the patient volume that, you know, uh, is affected as a result of changes in these practices. So one of my concerns is, you know, with a lot of our physicians retiring, with overall decrease work hours in a week practiced by family physicians, and at the same time, we have more patients coming into the insurance pool, more patients have access to health care insurance with the changes in the Affordable Care Act. So fast forward a few years, I worry sometimes there's 
there's need for more family physicians, but we don't have enough in the pipeline, and how we will be meeting with their demands and with their, with their needs with a limited workforce on top with changes in the practice models and decreased work hours leading to decreased patient seen during that week. So that is a concern which I think we ought to look at from a system standpoint and maybe start planning today so we can meet those needs five years from now, ten years from now. I know that in your prior roles, you've been an educator as well, and you've worked on recruiting young doctors in for residency programs. So when you look at someone who is a young physician, what are they thinking about? You're closer to it, about why they would not go into primary care, and they might try a surgical subspecialty or cardiology or or some other area like that. My heart and soul is a primary care family physician, and as you know, my training in public health, I not only think about my patient sitting in the office, I think beyond that one patient, that family, the whole community, that, you know, population health. So I strongly believe that future is with better primary care. Now, I certainly, you know, when we talk to medical students, when I talk with residents and interns, they have concerns, and there are certain concerns which relate to their ability, uh, which, you know, which makes, which makes an impact on their choice in, uh, choice of a career in medicine. And I think as we look at the importance of primary care, as we look at the need for primary care, the reimbursements in primary care need to follow and proportionate with this need. So the new interns the new medical students who are looking at their student loans, who are looking at their potential earning over the next 10, 20, 30 years, will have a better and easier and somewhat realistic expectation from their careers. You mentioned that you have a background with an MPH and you look at population health and for those of us who don't have an MPH, um, what sort of guidance does that give you? What sort of perspective does it give you? Because certainly now, as we're looking more and more at population, health, and these things, it has a greater role. Tell me a little bit about what you learned and maybe what you could share with other primary care docs who might be listening. I will share a, um, an example with you. Uh, recent weeks and months, you may have heard about the controversy related to the PSA, the prostate-specific antigen testing for prostate cancer screening. If we look at the data, American Urology Association will have recommendation, which is slightly different than the recommendations from American Academy of Family Physicians and U.S. Preventive Services Task Force recommendations. That's a prime example. U.S. Preventive Services Task Force is a independent uh, organization they look at the data in a non-biased way, and they put a recommendations, which is not with a urology lens or a family physician lens, which is based on a population recommendation that they are putting out. And it not only looks at the testing, the uh, complications related to the testing, and the cost involved in testing on a population basis. It's different when you order a test for that one patient sitting in your office, but the system-wide cost 
the system-wide complications, the system-wide benefits are different when you look at on a population perspective. I think it's very important for us going forward where healthcare cost is rising. We have to be cautious and we have to always remember the impact when we put our recommendations on a population level. So population health is going to be the key in terms of not only providing better quality care, but also reducing and minimizing the cost. Very interesting. So you're looking at it from that way. When you see your own patient in the office, do you sometimes wonder, you know, oh, I better think about this individual case and not the big picture, or do they always overlap? What, where does that training impact your decisions? I always talk to them. I give them a choice, and I tell them my perspective. And most of the time, they will agree with you and not go with that extra additional testing when they know the data, the recommendations, uh, the safety, and the cost involved is not beneficial. And, you know, there are patients, sometimes they will still ask for it, but most of the patients, most of the people will go with your recommendations when they know that it's not in their best interest. Is there something about the future of medicine where we think about it that I didn't ask you about or you, you didn't talk about that you'd like to bring up at the end? I think, like I said earlier, we are in a very exciting time in healthcare industry. There is going to be a lot of changes coming up. I am cautiously excited. Like I said, there is some uncertainty, but I think if we plan it appropriately, if we integrate our healthcare delivery system, not looking at it as a small practice, as a small hospital, but combined forces as healthcare delivery systems with very technologically advanced EMRs, I think we will be in a better situation to deliver good quality care, patient-centered care with limited resources. Dr. Goodman, thanks a lot. I really appreciate your taking the time to join us. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash primary care today to download the podcast and learn more on this series. Once again, thank you very much for listening.